this episode of Turkish TV time. Today we're going to be talking about episode two of Innocent, where I feel like a lot of questions were raised and not a lot of answers were given, but it was more intriguing than the first episode, I think. Uh, so excited to hear what you guys think about it. I don't have tea, obviously, but I am drinking a mango juice, which is pretty good. Would recommend. Like fresh squeezed mango or what? what is mango juice? Just like mango juice. Like I decided to stop buying uh, plastic juice bottles. And so now all the juice I buy is in like glass or paper. So it's a little bit more exotic. Oh, so like from Whole Foods or something or from where? It, but Tropicana has like non-plastic containers, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I feel like orange juice is just a breakfast drink, though. Is it though? Ooh, hot take. <laughs> that hot take juice. <laughs> With my dinner. I do like grapefruit juice. Are you guys drinking tea? Nope. No. <laughs> just have your juice. On a completely random, like, video on youtube what bergamot looks like did y'all know it's oh. like this big lumpy yellow fruit i thought it was like no. a show yeah. it. that's so weird yeah it's I'm like that big up. ugly thing is like only used for like basically tea flavoring as far oh as oh my I god it's hideous Strange. yeah <laughs> wow i mean who knew <laughs> i had I guess no it's idea it's a yeah it's a kind of citrus I guess I didn't even I I, I yeah I had like no conception of what it was <laughs> can you eat it or is it super um well bitter? in this this thing I was watching on YouTube it's like a travel blog that these this British couple I'll give them a shout out not that they would listen to this podcast but they're this British couple who like sold their belongings and are traveling through Turkey in a camper van like during covid i don't know they're really they're really adorable and entertaining they're like in their late 50s very goofy um but they stopped the episode i watched was in on the way to akiaka which is in marmaris which is like south of i think south of bodrum i think that's the right direction i think it's south of bodrum and they stopped at a roadside citrus stand and they had tons of bergamot for sale uh so i think you can eat it if they're selling it there or maybe people just like squeeze it in their tea. I have no idea how it's properly consumed. That's my next um, to do because I love bergamot flavor, as I mentioned previously with my love of Earl Grey tea. Sophia, I would like to say also commented in our our chat on the site here that it's not that ugly. It's kind of cute. I stand by that. I 100% stand by that. It's just, I, I was, it's I was imagining by Sophia. <laughs> I was imagining like a pitaya or something, uh, dragon fruit, whatever. Well, like in these photos, it doesn't thing. on Google Images it doesn't look that bad. In the travel uh, vlog that I mentioned on YouTube, it was like much more misshapen and yellow <laughs> than these. Were, these photos are like on Google Images that I'm looking at. Are like pretty pretty spherical just kind of you know lumpy lumpy uh, rind but pretty spherical shape this one was like almost the size of their heads and yellow and like kind of like an oval it was weird so <laughs> no i, know, I really want to have it i'm gonna purchase it somehow oh god <laughs> this has been quite a tangent i think we're good on this episode well maybe <laughs> if our if our characters were eating bergamot they'd be happier and more well adjusted <laughs> Maybe that's the that's the secret to maturing. <laughs> um, so now Sophia is going to take us through what happened in this episode. Okay, a little disclaimer. <laughs> I might screw it up. So if you guys want to interfere, please do. The timeline in this episode was like really like jumping around a lot. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts with, so last time our favorite Nedman um, went to, ran to the payphone to warn her son that our favorite city cop was coming Yusuf. to, Yusuf was coming to find him. Um, so this guy just like grabs his cell phone, destroys it completely, tries to erase any trace of his existence I put that in quotes, like you can't see my video, but I'm putting it in quotes because like he doesn't, um, in my opinion, <laughs> but we can discuss that later. So he like runs away 
and he's just like sitting on the grass like kind of i guess wondering what he's gonna do we have no clue what he's thinking um but then he sees this little girl in a white dress which i was like okay this guy's also crazy and sees like people that don't exist <laughs> and like a, a little girl in a white dress is like such a horror movie trope that i was kind of expecting it to devolve into something horrible totally agreed <laughs> which fortunately didn't and so the guy's just like there and he's like okay what the hell like i assume he probably also thought he was having like a hallucination and he like like peaks and apparently there's like this wedding photo shoot going on so he's like okay so then he has a flashback to a wedding or like we just see a flash of him in like a suit or what's that called when you wear that suit with a the tux. bow tie a tux <laughs> so he's in his tux he looking mirror and these like dudes come in like oh yeah like I was banging this chick last night and like whatever <laughs> <laughs> that's what I imagined and then they like realize that there's an old dude or like older dude in the bathroom and they're like oh and so they kind of stop for like a second but then they continue and so he leaves he's happy he walks to the table his wife is there she's very unhappy and we see that the wedding is for Tadek and his wife, whose name I forgot as well. <laughs> ML, I think. Okay. So they're like having fun and clapping. And like, apparently the dad is super proud that he has this new uh, daughter-in-law and he's like telling everyone and like everyone's having fun. And then unhappy wife who has like a really nice dress. She's like catching up her makeup and the bride comes in. And she's like, oh, like, this is such a great day. My makeup is, like, all moved. And, like, oh, um, like, your father-in-law, like, our father-in-law is so cute. He's, like, introducing me as her daughter to, as his daughter to everyone. <laughs> and, like, oh, yeah, that, like, our mother-in-law, Nedman, she's crazy and weird. <laughs> Good talk. <laughs> Apparently she has been since day one. And then we see some dude at a bar who makes uh, eye contact with use with Tadek and his wife and they're at the bar they're like having fun they're like reminiscing about their wedding and for a second she goes to the bathroom and he apparently has this conversation with this dude where the dude's like saying that like his wife is a prostitute and like all these bad things about his wife and so he just starts beating him up all this while the wife is still in the bathroom and uh his wife comes out of the bathroom finds the scene like is like okay let's get the hell out of the out of here what is this crazy stuff and she's like why did you react like that and he's like explaining to her what happened and she's like it's not worth it like we were having a nice time and you just went crazy um but they like seem to like figure it out and then they leave but then this dude is like watching as they drive away which was very weird but i don't know if that's a hallucination or if that's legit he was also at the bar when they walked mm -hmm. in and he was yeah. like staring at her yeah and then he shows up later on i think yeah so i think it's fair to say that he's definitely watching them so then we see our friend Tadek um back in the present looking at these pictures and Elif is like helping her dad fix a car and she's like very not into it. Helping is a strong word for <laughs> Elif. <laughs> I don't think she's ever helped a day in her life. <laughs> um, and so then uh, Nedman and her husband, whose name I also forgot now, have some sort of conversation. I'm assuming it's about the son and like this guy's onto us. Like, what are we going to do? But I'm not quite sure what the conversation was about. Sorry. Wasn't that when he's like, I can't believe that yeah. rat bastard Yusuf yeah, came into our house with those investigators? Rat bastard. Exactly. I think so. Yeah. I think so. So then, so then they, for some reason, decide to go to the mountains, or is that like a ploy from for, from the parents to try to get him from finding out more information? I mean, probably because they want the brother. The brother's name is Tanad, right? The older brother. Um, they wanted him to, I guess, eat pickles and stuff at home. So <laughs> <laughs> this is a way to get the cop out of their house. <laughs> so as they're driving, uh, Elif's like, oh, let's play some music. 
And so it turns out they only have cassette tapes in the car. And she chooses a cassette by Cezanne Aksu. Oh, and I should mention also that this, there was a song playing at the bar, like when all of this altercation happened, which is the same song that um, will be on the cassette tape that Elif like puts into the car. Our friend uh, Tadek is like completely disengaged from anything, any conversation. And then he just has the most insane outburst or not the most insane outburst. He has an outburst, tries to take the cassette tape off, um, tells him to stop the car, jumps out of the car and like is like, I can't, I can't. Like he's like, he can't. Um, and so his dad has to come down. He's like, okay, calm down. And he like plays some music and they start dancing and that somehow fixes everything, I guess. And then in the meantime, the mom's at home, like praying and freaking out. And Tanen comes back um, and she gives him some pickles. Yeah, he, he gets all the pickles. He's the pickle boy. Yeah. <laughs> and so then um, we flash back to our friends who are camping at the mountain. And they're like by the fire and having like some sort of heart to heart conversation at which point like but then Taner uh like is at home and he's oh no oh god what (laughs) oh man (laughs) I'm super lost it's like what is this I don't know (laughs) what's what's happening (laughs) so they're they're at the campfire (laughs) what happens at the campfire i can't remember Um, are they just having like a chill conversation Tarek wants to drink beer yeah they tell that weird story about tenere having a lens from the camera and starting the fires yeah like a magnifying glass like you would with a magnifying glass so then what happens when tenet is back at his house with his mom nothing pickles okay pickles he just eats so many pickles. Oh, but post pickles oh and he gets a gun from her oh of secondary points okay. to the pickles <laughs> <laughs> so then we flash back to Tarek in the past and he's still with his wife emel and she comes home and she he hasn't seen her he's like chopping some onions and he's like talking to himself about being a soldier and how like his hand was damaged from the shrapnel of an explosion from the Greek soldiers or something, which sounds extremely paranoid if you ask me. And she's just like trying to figure out what's up with him because she clearly knows that something's up. So the next day after the camp out, they wake up and Elif is missing. And Tarek like walks into the woods by himself Um, Although this all seems extremely sketchy to me. And he like sees Emel in the forest and she confronts him about not taking his medicine. So now we know for sure that he has some sort of mental illness that he needs to be medicated for. And he's like, no, no, I've never lied to you. And then Tadek comes out of the forest with her unconscious, like carrying her and she's bleeding. So they put her in the car. They go to the emergency room. Yusuf is like losing it. And Jevdet calls Nerman and says, he's on to us. He knows that I forged the papers. Because when Yusuf is really frustrated about his daughter, he confronts um, Jevdet and says like, I know what you've done. I don't understand why you're hiding all this stuff about your son, like why he was discharged from the army and like all this stuff and why, why his commanding officer wanted to sue him. Like, I know there's something sketchy here, but you're not telling me. And he says, like, well, you have a daughter. You know what we do for our children. So, like, you know why I did that, basically. So, Jebdet is, like, freaking out. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He gets into a fight with our favorite, Tadek. Um, And so then we flash back to the past again. Emel goes back to the bar where there was a confrontation. And she goes with this excuse that she lost her wallet at the altercation. So she needs to look at the security footage. But I assume it's just like an excuse to see like what the hell happened with her husband. Um, So she looks at the security footage and she sees that he like basically just started randomly attacking someone. And so she walks and it seems like she goes to her office and there's this dude 
and she like sings a duet with him which is very confusing because they also sing like well not sing a duet but like yeah they're mouthing the words to this duet where she's doing the woman the guy's part and he's doing the woman's part i completely missed that did that happen yeah what are you talking about <laughs> what are you talking about sophie did you hallucinate this episode too? <laughs> I have no oh, idea crap. what you're talking about. <laughs> the singing. That might be from the next episode because I accidentally started watching the first few. <laughs> okay. We've that. upgraded Sophia's recaps from like what actually happened to what Sophia thought should have happened. <laughs> um, like kind of like fanfic. Oh my, god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so ignore he that just, like, i don't know what happened gives her rock candy and doesn't okay, say that's anything okay <laughs> okay i think that's the next episode because i did not hallucinate that i swear <laughs> sure sure i'm not turning into Tadic. <laughs> anyway our friend Tadic um is talking to his mom then Yusuf is like freaking out at the hospital and he's like crying and he like thinks that he did something wrong. And then Taned is like about to leave the house and he bumps into his dad. And we did, did they like kind of like bury Tadic or like what happened to Tadic? I'm very confused now. No, that was the, that was rock candy. That was Creeper. Yeah. Office Creeper. Yeah, he was dead. Wait, what? Wait, Office Creeper killed who? No, oh my god. No, it was <laughs> He was dead. He was dead of the trunk. It was Ted Air who was taking Office Creeper out of his trunk dead to bury him. Oh fuck. into our gossip slash banter slash spilling the non-existent tea section to talk about all the shit that we just kind of mentioned in, our- in the recap. The beer made out of happened. <laughs> okay, my I just have one comment and it's extremely superficial. Okay. Well, I have several, but this one's extremely superficial and it's that there's no way that Taned and Yusuf are the same age. Agreed. Like, Taned looks like an old man. I think they're the same age in real life. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm about to look them up, but... Wow. Because they played, they played BFFs on that uh, TV show I was telling you guys about, uh, the, like, really absurd one. Okay, so Yusuf is 44. Let's see how old... Yeah, actually, uh, his brother, the guy who plays uh, Tanash, sorry, not, not Yusuf's brother, but um, Tanik's brother... The actor who plays him is 43. So he's actually your younger. Oh my god, he's younger. Yeah. Wow, Sophia. Sure, but he just looks really <laughs> okay. old. You're entitled. Maybe You're he lied on it's the it's the harsh life that he's led that's right. aged him. Right. Living out in the wilderness, it's not easy on the skin, you know. Right. True. Okay, so let's go to the wedding. So first of all, I get, I can like kind of maybe see. Tarek and ML, maybe if he has like a really charming personality, but I cannot see Taner and unhappy wife. That's why she's all. unhappy because it's him. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I like, I kind of dislike Taner just because of how much his wife dislikes him. Like, he's probably a piece of shit. I think that's fair. Him. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I dislike the wife because who like, shits on their family on like their sister-in-law's wedding day like mm. just let her be like oh father-in-law is so cute i love having a person to call dad like why you gotta rain on her parade that was so mm-hmm. rude yeah she sucks she sucks agreed but definitely probably the the like taned sucks more and that probably <laughs> made her suck to begin with yeah she was probably great before yeah Tarek and ML seem to have like nice chemistry. Like I liked their scene where they were happy together. Mm-hmm. 
and the, you, the one stain. I mean, they, granted, they only gave us like 30 <laughs> seconds of happiness, yeah. but like you needed that to understand why they were married at all before the troubles start. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting the entire thing in the bar to have been hallucinated. Like the entire, like literally even the guy walking up to him. Yeah was hallucinated like the actual guy was like in the bar but like far away when we when we saw it in the security video so I was very shocked by that and I was like I mean also in hindsight I was shocked by how you know easily they kind of let him walk out of the establishment without like calling yeah. law enforcement or anything because he was like gonna fuck that guy up like real bad <laughs> well except the guy started punching him he didn't harder have the skills to fuck true. the guy that's up true. Real bad. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and also like it's it's extremely scary that your husband is having hallucinations but that they're like super violent can cause him to be violent that's which is even which i have to say is like pretty rare i th- my understanding of these as you know i'm assuming this is some kind of schizophrenia it's actually pretty rare but obviously because this this extreme form like that elicits violent reactions is the scariest to think about it's always dramatized and portrayed more in film than other uh i guess ways that schizophrenia manifests so it is unfortunate that this is just kind of playing into that more that stereotype more Um, yeah but yeah yeah although although it is true like one thing that i will recognize is that they really show that like I we don't know what illness it is, but like it really takes over his life. Yeah. Like, like it's, it really affects who he is, and it's kind of something outside of him. Like he can't control it in any way. And I, I, at least, at least they kind of show that because, like, I don't know. As we mentioned, sometimes other things are shown to like be the cause of of these sort of these sorts of behaviors. And oh stuff. yeah, you mean like the repressed. Uh whatever identities and stuff yeah it's realistic also that he wouldn't want to take his meds because if again assuming that this is some kind of schizophrenia the meds are very very debilitating the side effects are really severe and I remember I I, so just to give background to the listeners I volunteered briefly in college um, over one summer at a mental health resource center and some of the some of the clients who were there uh, were did have schizophrenia and I mean they one of them shared with me that for his for his symptoms the drug that he was prescribed that he had to take otherwise the auditory hallucinations would would begin it would give him cancer eventually like he knew it would oh. so oh. these are like very very these are like That's poison in, in in their own right so it's understandable that he wouldn't yeah. want to take it but then it makes his other symptoms worse so it sucks it's awful yeah, and, and these medicines are also like if you're coming off of like an episode or something, like a really extreme moment, um, they prescribe these medications that are like extremely strong, like they will knock you out completely. And like a lot of people with mental illness, like like being like having a mental illness kind of becomes like, or you feel it's part of you. So like when you take that part away, like they don't feel like complete in some way or like they don't feel like themselves so that also makes yeah. it so they won't want to take that I, I hope they give it more uh, like obviously this episode was like revealing that he has an illness i hope that they continue to make him because he's felt like he's felt like a, a human with you know a complexity up until this point but i hope that they don't reduce him to his illness now that they've you know thrown that in as a plot point um because that would be a shame but anyway it's clearly going to be very important no matter what <laughs> as our um resident food critic as did you notice what late night snack they were going to get after the bar uh they went and got a snack after like the the beat up oh i missed it they went to get toast oh okay <laughs> <laughs> subject of our last history section i completely missed that also how are they driving though if they're drunk yeah that's in my what the fucks like what kind of bar do you go to where you like park in a giant parking garage and then go and like chug beer 
also seems it like seemed like they were though. in like an urban environment like urban in the sense of like you know you'd yeah. park on the street rather than a parking garage weird yeah agreed she sobered right up when the when she witnessed the fight happening like she was like sloppy drunk but, like singing loudly five minutes before and then she comes out she's like Tarek, stop stop that right now <laughs> <laughs> um i hate the hard candy man i mean i'm glad he's dead he probably did something weird <laughs> deserved it <laughs> <laughs> big eyes creep me yeah out. i mean he was like alone at the bar yeah. right? eating his weird candy writing on a notepad staring with his giant eyes <laughs> i'm very confused as to this who this guy is like when i watched the episode as we know like i clearly was not paying enough attention but like i saw this guy recurringly and i was like this is very strange is that the same guy or is that like just a random extra <laughs> He does. He is pretty generic looking, though. I agree with that. Other than his giant yeah. eyes, that <laughs> stare into the depths of your soul. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested what is going to come of him. He's obviously going to be very important if he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like this whole conspiracy just seems to get more and more complicated. Like, my first idea was just that Taner was in love with Emel, so she he like, ha- well, like had a love affair with her yeah. and like cr- crashed the car and like they both died but now like clearly our friend Tadic is hallucinating stuff and there's some sketchy dude and apparently Tanet is like a, a repeated killer so now I don't know if he's a repeated killer or if he's just like an accomplice uh, not an accomplice but you know he's just like the one task to cover it up I don't think it's clear yet who's the murderer. I agree, except for the way that Jeff Dett treated him when he brought him the groceries. He was so mean to him. I that feel like weird. that was more like you you fucked my my ill son's wife. I feel like that was more like <laughs> like resentful <laughs> for inappropriate whatever liaisons. <laughs> Clearly, uh Jeb Dutt and Narmin have their favorites. Oh, yeah. They're two different people. Narmin is still great. I love her. Oh, she's not. <laughs> oh Even the, on her wedding day, they agreed that she was a fucking weirdo. <laughs> okay, wait. I have a question about the whole mountain trip because that was very confusing to me <laughs> on several levels. On the, okay. In the first place, like, did Tadic do something to it? No, like, did he like, like an idiot. <laughs> She okay. fell out of the tree like an idiot. I wouldn't have been surprised if he if they like left it ambiguous or if he had, but they showed her falling okay. out. She was like, she had like no reason then... to fall from that tree. She was like <laughs> <laughs> plot reasons, as Sophia yeah. says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then my second question is. Did he purposefully take them to where his son was hiding previously? Because like that I don't know dumb. if that was yeah that's a good question because that was like too easy for Yusuf to stumble across. Was he living in the lodge or no, was he, he was camping? Because if he was camping, yeah. so he's camping, but he's camping twenty feet yes. from the lodge that his family. Yeah, because he's like I guess maybe that makes sense <laughs> if he has no idea like what where to begin in the woods, and so he's like, oh, I'll drive up to the lodge and then, you know. Wow. That's pretty dumb. And then he was like, well, this is a good wander from the lodge. And it's like, JK, dude, it was like, (laughs) and then also like, they keep talking about how he's like, got incredible woodcraft and he's like such an outdoorsy person. And then his like fire was like not hidden at all. All he had to do was like throw some dead leaves and that shit. Yeah. And then his, and he left his lens, his special lens. Not an expert outdoorsman as we thought for all of two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Yusuf and Jevdet kind of like showed their cards to each yeah. other. Like they both said way more than they should have. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Jevdet is like the only like semi-innocent person in all of this. Like I felt really bad for him. On a show called Innocent. <laughs> oh, no one is innocent. Right? <laughs> I do, I, I do feel like, you know, we're owed an explanation of why the show is called what's called, and we have not been 
I mean, there's no obvious uh, explanation at this point why it's called that. It's probably your favorite character, Elif, who is the innocent. <laughs> God, she's oh the God, worst. God, she literally fell out of a tree. Who speaks to strangers like that? I don't know. She's like screaming at all of them in the car, and then Tadek really started screaming, and they had to pull over. And then they had the dance party. That was fucking. That weird. was so funny. I love that scene. Oh my god, it was so awkward. <laughs> I was dead. He was like screaming at a uh, his son. Like he was like screaming certain dance moves at his son. <laughs> They're all normal. It's fine. <laughs> I I was really like impressed with ML this episode, like her bar ruse to see what was going on. I feel like she's got her shit together. Yep. Hopefully she can handle the situation, except we know slash think that she's dead. So I guess she didn't handle it very well. Or wasn't handled around her very well. (laughs) I feel like it was all extenuating circumstances. How many episodes, so I guess not not a question for you, Sammy, as someone who's at least seen the conclusion of the murder mystery part of the show's arc, but Sophia, how many episodes do you think we're going to see what we see now, which I feel like is like a, a gradual climb? Well, actually climb up, I, was, I'll, I think, a climb up toward like knowing everything, because right now we know, I would say, maybe 20% of what we need to know. For me, I feel like they're going to go through like three more episodes of progressively revealing more and more shocking things until we finally know everything and then it like the timelines will catch up and we'll be on a downward slope to the conclusion but how many I mean how, how many do you think we have to sit through being like what the fuck until we start to get some clarity okay I am super skeptic of these very suspenseful shows because they're always very good at building up the suspense but they're really yeah. bad at closing up the loose ends uh-huh. like i don't know if you guys have watched like the sinner for example like it's really interesting and they build up this whole mystery and then when you find out what it was it's like so dumb kind of like mm-hmm. lost right. i never watched lost but i oh, feel like okay. that's what people yeah. feel or like pretty little liars you know like seven seasons building up some insane stuff and they like close it up in two episodes or something and mm-hmm. that always drives me insane so by that logic I would say, how many episodes are in the whole season? Ten? Eight, I think. Eight? Eight. Yeah. I've seen two. Okay, so I would say there'll be six episodes of build-up and two episodes of closing Mm. up. Okay, so you're giving it one more episode than I am. I just feel like there's, I mean, yeah, three three to to close off might be too optimistic, you're right. Yeah. Because that would be like, wow, you really explained everything, and this might probably gonna be like what especially because it's <laughs> yeah, told in like flashbacks so they could have like yeah. the resolution in the current day and the resolution in the flashback timeline happen right both in the finale you know i don't remember but they yeah. can do whatever they want with okay. time clearly yeah i mean it's just like yeah i don't know if is this a limited series or are there in theory gonna yeah. be seasons they're not gonna do more okay oh. Yeah, because like with the sinner, they like close off every season with like a real closed off like thing. But I feel like these kinds of shows are just like really prone to creating plot holes that are impossible to solve. And I I don't even know why they do it. Like they should just edit them out. But like it always happens. So like they're probably just going to abandon Elif or something in the middle. (laughs) Just abandon her in the hospital. Edith, for plot reasons, has died. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we'll probably never find out, like, why the stepdad is so sketchy or, like, why this dude was breaking into their house. Like, well, Yusuf was breaking into Elif's house. Yeah, that's true. And we completely abandoned mom yeah. this episode. Like, I guess she's, yeah. like, totally fine with her running off in the middle of yeah. the family vacation. Well, and he, and he didn't be, call her to daughter. say, like... Our daughter was hospitalized and she's unconscious. Yeah, good point. Good point. She should probably be notified. (laughs) Question for you guys. Do you like anyone on this show? So far, I like ML. That's my pick. Yeah. Yeah, like in terms of like, would I hang out with anyone on this Mm -hmm. show? Yeah, probably only MS. But 
would I gladly like pop some popcorn, have some wine, and just like observe anyone on this <laughs> show? Hell yeah, I'd do that with Natalie <laughs> all day, every day. Just watch her sass people. As long as she was like behind a wall, so she could never come and at you. Right, she could never see or sass yeah. me, but I could see her sassing everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I I do agree with that assessment. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sammy? Yeah, I'm I'm with ML. I I don't find Nerman charming, but perhaps in her earlier days. Well, I don't find her charming either, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, I maybe if she were drunk or like maybe she's a really happy drunk, you know. Or maybe her hot takes get hotter and spicier uh, with it's alcohol. Possible. You need some pickles to dull down <laughs> that spice. Yeah, it's just to like chug a gallon of pickles juice after. <laughs> I wanted to say they used when Taner and Narmin were chatting, she said something about someone on their land and the subtitle said sharecropper. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to say like in American English, that word has a lot of racial over and undertones. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very loaded uh, translation. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think that that's what they meant. Probably tenant is a better word. Yeah, yeah, like a tenant farmer kind of thing. If that's what they're doing, if they're doing agriculture. But yeah, sharecropper is, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's a no. But I appreciate the translator trying to reach for those uh, multi-syllabic words. <laughs> multi-syllabic words where people be like, wait, what? <laughs> Where's... <laughs> Today, for our history section, we are going to be talking about the Turkish singer Sezen Aksu, and Ezgi has prepared a monologue that Sophia and I are really excited to hear about this. Now, just to just to introduce this section, I think we should say that Ezgi loves Sezen Aksu, and yes. I only knew at first yes. Sezen Aksu because she did a, a Tarkan did a cover of one of her songs. So that's, that's how embarrassing I heard to about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, ta- there, are, there are a few ways that Sezen Aksu like, ach- like has achieved international renown and Tarkan is one of those, you know, few ways. So I think that's legitimate um, for, you know, a non-Turkish person, especially. Um, but yeah, so Sezenox is like my absolute favorite um, musical artist. She was born in 1954 in Denizli, but grew up mostly in Izmir. She really blew up in the late 70s. So the, the 70s basically for Turkish pop music in general were, and I think I may have alluded to this before, but it was an era called arrangement, which is a, obviously a very French word of um, basically a period where all these French mostly French, some American, kind of like, you know, Frank Sinatra-y type uh, songs would have been taken and the lyrics were written in Turkish and recorded by young, beautiful uh, women, mostly. But some some young, attractive men too, but it was mostly, uh, like Ajda Pekkan is another famous name from that era. So Sezen Aksu kind of got started in that vein, although not completely. Like, I think she probably did only a couple songs in that, in that vein, but um, it was in this era that she emerged from so Turkish pop music was very much still rooted in European and American pop music it wasn't really its own thing yet so she came out with Turkish language original uh, music that she actually wrote you know at this point she's in her late teens early 20s and her second album which was her I guess her breakthrough uh, is the one where the song from this episode of uh, Innocent which is called the song is called Kachil Geçti Aradan. So how many years how many years have passed? That's from her second album, Sarche, which means sparrow. And that's also the that also gave her her nickname that she's still known by, uh, the, the little sparrow. She's a very petite woman with a nice singing voice. So <laughs> that's that's why I guess. I don't know. Um, some some journalists came up with that. So the 70s, late 70s, when she mid to late 70s, when she had her breakout, she actually even represented Turkey in the Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, but the 80s were when she really became a powerhouse. She had a very, very fruitful professional relationship with a couple musicians. Uh, one, also a personal relationship with Olno Tunç, who was an Armenian-Turkish 
songwriter. So he he would write the he would compose the songs, and either Cezanne or I Sad Gural, who's a, another uh, very she she wasn't a singer, but she was a very well known lyricist. Um, these, this trio would kind of come up with basically the soundtrack of that whole decade for Turkey. So they were even if they weren't even if Cezanne Aksu wasn't recording the music, the people that did record it you know went on to become very famous and just added to her uh renown her own catalog Cezanne's own catalog has 25 full-length albums um almost all the songs written by her she's she herself has written at least 400 songs but I don't think there's an exact I mean it's pretty hard to come up with an exact number um because so many other people have recorded it as well she's also responsible for the rise of several other famous pop artists Tarkan being the most famous of <laughs> yes, the most famous, <laughs> the most internationally well known of the artists. Although I will give another one a shout out to Saktab Erenar, who is the only Turkish artist to win Eurovision. Um, so she's also uh, fairly, you know, as far as Turkish pop musicians, I would say she's also fairly well known just for that accomplishment. And Cezanne also, uh, if anyone who, who, I don't know if you two have seen this document, I think you have seen this document, Crossing the Bridge, uh, The Sound of Istanbul. It's about the Istanbul music scene. It's a very good documentary. It came out in 2005 by Fatih Akun, who's a Turkish-German filmmaker. Um, Cezanne features fairly prominently in that documentary. So that was, I think, another way that folks outside of Turkey came to know her. Shortly after that documentary came out, NPR named her one of the 50 greatest voices in the world. Um, so some, some uh, you know, indie uh, radio journalism cred there in the, in the <laughs> U.S., which I'm sure made her appealing to uh, that demographic too. And then also in the 90s, she collaborated with Goran Bregovic, who's a, I think he's Serbian, might be Croatian. He's from the Balkans. I forget which, which country he's from, but he's also a very well-known composer, songwriter. Um, and she did an album uh, of where she wrote Turkish lyrics for his well-known uh, melodies. So it, it's funny, like even when I was living in Poland at some bars or, or, or clubs where they would do like Balkan night or have Balkan music playing, they would play the Turkish recording of his song. So oh, wow. Aksu playing, which was really uh, funny to encounter because I'm sure they meant to play like the, some Slavic language version of it, but they found the Turkish one. And then the other things I will say about her is that she's constantly evolved. So like I said, in her in the late 70s, she was very much like, even though it was her own lyrics and her own music, which was unusual, like I said, for the time for a young woman artist trying to, you know, make her way in the pop scene to write her own music. Um, even though she was kind of, you know, dismantling the existing status quo in that way, the sound is still very aligned to the light pop music of the time. In the 80s, she started bringing in more of the Turkish traditional instrumental influence in the segment that we recorded a few, you know, several episodes ago when we were doing Love 101 about Turkish rock music. This is kind of a similar idea where there, you know, when you put the Turkish in front of it, it's not just Turkish language, but there's also some instrumentation things going on. So some more traditional instruments being brought in to the mix along with, you know, I don't know, synthesizers, electric guitars, your kind of standard pop fare. But in the 90s, she also had this interesting turn toward just straight up folk music. She did um, an album after she very publicly ended her relationship with Onno Tunch, her, her collaborator throughout the 80s. And her, I mean, I, I would say probably the love of her life. Um, after their relationship ended, she did a very, very folk centered album called The, the Sun Rises in the East. Um, which people were like at the time they were like WTF like this is not we signed up for pop like what is this this is all folk uh, really traditional folk music um, but now it's you know one I, I would say it's one of her best reviewed albums you know in the present day um, she also did this like I said this Balkan music with Goran Bregovic which people were also like you know who's Goran Bregovic what are you doing <laughs> uh, but she's yeah she's constantly kind of subverted expectations in the status norm in that status quo in that way and then unfortunately her more recent history is not great. I, I, I personally believe it's through no fault of her own. It's just, I don't know, Turkey's ongoing growing pains, let's say. She's been accused by people who are against the current ruling party of Turkey of being sympathetic to the ruling party of Turkey or somehow being, uh, you know, against the cause of Turkishness and 
nationalism and all this stuff. The reason for this is in the mid uh, 2010s, so 2013 through 2015, uh, Erdogan's administration tried to collect Kurdish votes by starting a what they call the solution process to the ongoing Kurdish-Turkish conflict, um, in, especially in southeastern and eastern Turkey. And she was supportive of, you know, the the idea that there would be reconciliation and that this violence would end, and that you know the the sides of the conflict could come together and end it. Which I mean, at the surface, like who wouldn't be in favor of something like that of violence ending? But I mean, her support stopped when it became clear that it was all, you know, political. It was all for just again to collect votes, and then as soon as Erdogan, you know, realized it wouldn't work stuff the whole situation digressed and went back to how it was um even worse than how it was actually before that uh process started but anyway just the fact that she had her name associated with supporting it at the very very beginning of this proposal uh was enough for you know a certain group to mark her as not nationalist enough you know even going so far as accusing her of being anti-Ataturk anti-Republic of Turkey all this in my opinion totally overblown not deserved and also just as a, to give a counterexample of, you know, why she can't possibly be pro AKP, pro Erdogan. She has always been a staunch advocate of women's rights, LGBTQ rights, um, minority rights in Turkey. So this just does not align with the dominant party ideology. Uh, so, and she's been very consistent with that her whole career. So not, not a valid criticism, like I said, um, but it was bad enough. It got bad enough in that, you know, 2015, 2016 timeframe that actually I'd flown up to New York for a weekend just to see her in concert, only to find out the day of the concert or the day before that it got canceled because they were, there were demonstrations planned. They're like the whole, it was going to be a big scene at her show because these people, you know, thought she was a traitor to the nation for supporting uh you know in the early days this and end to the the kurdish turkish conflict so she had to call off the whole show i can't imagine what the event planning company what kind of damage they had to deal with blowback from that uh financially anyway so that was terrible and then the next year early this was late 2015 so a few months later in early 2016 she announced her retirement from live performance she's still recording albums and releasing uh, songs, you know, via all major kind of music publishing streaming platforms, but she's doesn't seem to have any plans to return to the stage, uh, which is a real shame because she was a fantastic uh, live performer too. Really good sense of humor, really fun to see live. I, I was fortunate enough to see her a handful of times. I'm glad I did when I could. And for listeners who are interested, there's a a really good kind of starter playlist on Spotify. They, they do it for all artists. Um, the, the This Is uh, Sezenaksu playlist. Like I said, I think they have that for like every single artist uh, around the world. Um, but that it's a really good compilation. And also, if you want to see her in a really, really amazing live concert setting, there is a two and a half hour long YouTube recording, YouTube video on her YouTube channel of a concert she gave in Ephesus in the old amphitheater in 2002 called The Songs of Turkey. It's not only kind of a, a good rundown of her greatest hits up until 2002. I mean, she had like a bajillion albums after 2002 as well, but um, up until that point, uh, her greatest hits and also uh, she invites several like she invites a family who are they're Turkish citizens but they're of Greek heritage and um, a group of Kurdish again Turkish citizens but Kurdish speaking um, group of people as well uh, uh, Sephardic Jewish Ladino speaking people who sing uh, Ladino in Ladino so it's a really cool like lineup of minority artists in minority languages um, singing folk, different part different Turkish folk songs in different languages so it's a really good concert, uh, again, called Songs of Turkey. And if you don't mind not understanding some of the banter in between the songs, because it's obviously <laughs> in Turkish, I don't think there's subtitles, but the actual songs and performances are really amazing. So anyway, I love her. I'm so sad for what's happened to her lately, uh, but please uh, appreciate her music. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. I feel I feel so bad for her. <laughs> I really like the songs that they feature on the show. 
like they're like profound yeah. and like emotional songs i like that they don't like in love 101s they sometimes did english songs or like weird like the weird fun cover and stuff that was not yeah necessary. those were so jarring yeah but they, they've been pretty consistently and like the, the even the opening credits for this show are uh or like a, it's like a Turkish folk song. It's nice. That song is that I I like that song too. Yeah. All right. Awesome. into our favorite section which is what the fuck and sultan of success i do believe that sultan of success is going to be continue to be quite hard in this show but maybe like sultan of misfortune is a better one for these people so or sultan of evading misfortune if like someone didn't have that much damage done to them for the episode (laughs) yeah sure no, but I, I think if just to skip to that part really quick, I think Emad was the Sultan of Success from the standpoint of like you said, being a badass and getting her hands on those tapes and seeing what's what. I mean, the news she got was awful, but <laughs> yeah, it's like hard for me to pick her because I agree. I I thought she was very impressive, but at the same time, she came home to find her husband talking to an imaginary person. So her life's not going in the right direction. Well, yeah. And Yusuf, like his daughter fell out of a tree for no reason. Um, But he did find (laughs) that campsite. That like proves this case. Yeah, that's true. Taner had pickles and didn't get caught. He could be the sensitive success. Man, yeah, he took, he got the pickles to go. (laughs) He got all the pickles. Pickles to go made homemade for him. Yeah. He's a pickle king. Yeah. What would your vote be, Ooh, That's really hard. I Just because she's my favorite character, I'm going to say Emel, although her life turned out really badly, as we know she was murdered. Her life turned out badly and it's over. <laughs> so badly <laughs> but, that it ended. Or maybe our sultan <laughs> of success can be... Well, no, because he also actually died. <laughs> I mean, I think Emel might be a good one because I doubt that she'll have the opportunity to win it again in the near future given what we know happens to her. And if it doesn't happen to her, then she's the real soul of success for evading True. what seemed inevitable. True. And also, if we think back to our original Sultan of Success, Faisal, it's not like he never <laughs> had anything bad happen to him. It was just that he was always scheming and crafting and making money and True. making moves. So I'm good with giving it to him. I'll... Yay. Yay. Congrats. Um, okay. <laughs> what the fucks? I have a lot. A lot. Oof. First and most importantly, what the fuck Yusuf leaving Elif alone with Tarek to play a game? Don't do that. Yep. It's like strange man that you're investigating Wait, with they, your daughter. Did, did you just wake up and, and find them like that? Or were they like playing a game? Because like what I thought is that they woke up and then she wasn't there. Neither of them were there. Yeah, but the night before, remember, they played the game where she was like, draw something. Oh, you're so slow. And he drew like a tape recorder. Incredible artist. Oh, now I remember. Okay, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was just before uh, the guy sang the girl part and the girl (laughs) sang the guy part. Oh, my God. Okay. What the fuck, ML? Like, I understand she was like all sweaty at her wedding, but like paper toweling her upper arms. How much sweat is coming out of your upper arm? There aren't that many. I mean, there are pores there, of course, but that's not the pore zone. No. (laughs) That was very weird. We already talked about what the fuck driving home from the bar when you guys have been chugging beer. Yep. Oh, what the fuck? Yusuf's clothes are like three sizes too big. Like his jeans are super baggy and then his mm-hmm. shirt comes down to like his mid thigh. <laughs> so weird. I, I didn't see that, but I agree. That's weird. It um, put me in mind of Julian's sweater 
which <laughs> we were all operating off of limited wardrobes when we were studying abroad, but he had this one sweater that started at his waist. And by the end of the semester, it was like a tunic that was down to his knees. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Julian, if you're listening, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the clothing that Yusuf is wearing. Uh, what the fuck? Elif's hair is so long. So long. Like, probably why she from the damn tree. That would be so annoying. Yeah. She was probably trying to Rapunzel and she got caught. <laughs> She's so, I mean, like, also, what the fuck? Her behavior, like, <laughs> so rude. Everything. Like, I don't know. Like, Nadavid is like, I mean, Nadavid's like an old mean lady. But she's like, the way she executes the sass is very masterful. She's the master of sass. <laughs> the sultan of sass, if you will. Oh, God. But, but Adif is just like, like, I don't know, like a blunt object. Like, just smacks him with the rude retort or like unnecessary raising of her voice at like, like I said, random adults. Like, yeah. Like, several seats. <laughs> um, and then I have, what the fuck? the as Sophia said the creepy horror girl the taking wedding photos in the middle of the forest like it wasn't that pretty (laughs) like why are you there I don't understand go to the beautiful coastline that you have in this town yep that was I had that too like like we all said the horror girl trope plus like the way they set that up was like as a hallucination also but it was like I don't know weird red herring to have <laughs> didn't really add anything to the story mm-hmm. i don't have any other uh what the fuck's on my end because you uh very very eloquently and thoroughly captured what wow, i had thank you <laughs> what the fuck sammy for saying everything and giving us no chance i'm so to talk. sorry <sighs> so i guess what am i what the fuck should be to myself because i clearly did not pay enough of- <laughs> 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 uh- <laughs> can cut that out once what what the fuck the scene uh where the man was singing in the woman's <laughs> voice that, is, that really happens that really happens i just did a spoiler for the next episode <laughs> it's like, i can't even explain why anyone would do that though like what that scene okay just watch can't the wait. episode and we'll find out <laughs> Um, <laughs> my other what the fuck is why did he take this guy like to get him away from the house to like a random cabin that's right next to this guy's camp as I mentioned earlier second like they're really secretive like they're destroying the cell phone and then he's like like the wife is like don't talk about this on the phone like are the Turkish police really that interested in this case like is it really that important that they're gonna listen in on these people in like a dead end town like talking about well like i think i think i think javits like as a former police chief seems he seems to be a fairly even though it's like a it seems like a small town it's like you have to remember this like pretty much on the outskirts of istanbul at this point because of hashtag urban sprawl so i just feel like i don't know they all know each other in the policing community most likely especially since he's geographically pretty proximate and he was the police chief so I feel like he's a high profile guy. We just haven't really been shown that clearly yet, but I'm hoping that in some of these flashbacks and whatever that is established too. Like, why does anyone care? Basically? Uh, I think I have faith that the show will establish that because it does seem like super random for it to be on Yusuf's like super I mean, boss's radar enough to send Yusuf out. But we just we need our build-up episodes for Sophia. <laughs> Do you guys think because Sophia, that's the second time you've mentioned it. Do you guys think that Jevdet is trying to get Taner caught? No. Ooh. No. Just it's just I think he's like dumb. really mad at him, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he wants to get him caught because he would have already gotten him caught. Like it would have been easier for him because he's risking his own reputation to protect him. So I don't think Mm -hmm. he wants him to get caught. Um, Oh, my my only other what the fuck was... Okay, also the story about what um, Tadek was discussing with this imaginary man in his kitchen about a bomb and some Greek soldiers. 
just sounded really fake to me. Like, what? It, like, I don't think it's like a legit scenario in my brain. Especially, I didn't catch that because I didn't catch um, the dialogue. Because when Yusuf and Jevdet are going at it, they talk about how Jevdet. I couldn't tell if he got him out of the military service altogether or if he got him like discharged early. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't tell whether he'd actually, that was like a scenario he'd been in or whether it was like completely made up. I think he did go because he did something bad and then his commanding officer sued him. But. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I am very confused because I don't understand when the Greeks could have taken a bomb to Turkey. Like it would have have to be Cyprus maybe, but I'm still not convinced. Yeah. I would think it was Cyprus in the, that would be like 74 though. When does this take place? I think it's Yeah, modern. I think it's modern. Yeah, because she has a, she has smart, the girl, Edith has a smartphone yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's way too That's old. Why, like, I'm wondering 74. like what he's, is he reliving his like dad's life or like what's the deal? Oh, maybe. Or he saw a movie. And he was yeah. Just, like, talking. Yeah, true. <laughs> So many questions. Yeah, so many questions. So many answers probably not forthcoming in the next episode. (laughs) We hope you'll stay with us anyway. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll be back next time with season one slash zero, episode three. Uh, And congratulations to our Sultan of Success, ML. We hope that your win streak continues, but we very much doubt it. 